Star Wars Escape Pod. I'm your host, Josh, and we have Darian and Blake returning to the show, to the Escape Pod, to chat all about Chapter 2 of the Book of Boba Fett. And uh, we are actually uh, using our old setup for this episode one last time as we're getting some kinks worked out with remote calling in the home studio setup. If anyone's been uh, looking into our social media, I've been, uh, been posting some cool photos of a home studio. It's been awesome. And I can't wait to use the new sound going forward on the show this year. But uh, here we are one last time in the old escape pod chatting about the Book of Boba Fett. Let's go. Another happy landing. Fellas, welcome back. <laughs> How's it going? Good, good. How are you guys doing? Good. I, uh, I'm having trouble hearing Blake. No, I can't hear him. I think he's muted. I think he's muted. Yeah, yeah. Well, Darian, welcome back to the show. Uh, it's been a little while since, uh, since you were on here. When was the last time? Was it Bad Batch Season 2? Bad Batch Season 2. Or Season 1, sorry. Season 1. <laughs> season 1. I'm having trouble two, keeping though. track of all these live-action shows or these yeah, Star Wars shows now. It's, it's, it's a lot. <laughs> uh, Blake, welcome back. Hey. Yeah. There he is. There he is. <laughs> I had to make my way through the nether a little bit late there. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I love that you're opening with this song. Like, it makes me chuckle. These guys singing, like, I don't yeah, know why. Yeah. It just you it know, feels so it, self-parked it, to me. <laughs> It did. <laughs> it actually didn't take long for this theme to like grow on me really quickly. Um, oh wow! You know, like, same same composer as the Mandalorian. I mean, it's it's okay. not bad, but yeah, it just it just kind of feels right, especially with the whole uh, the whole Tusken, Tusken Raider, Raider, yeah, like underlying story going on. Like it just kind of kind of works. It's a bit of like a tribal feeling thing. Yeah. And well, it's funny yeah. because I think the original pitch they were Tuscan, so instead of oh, it was. Oh, uh, it didn't work as well with the melody, so they decided to swap it out a bit. Right. <laughs> I feel well, like the theme is quite uh, similar to Black Panther, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, of it, course, it, it's, it's the same composer, uh, but it's very oh, similar drums? to Black Panther vibes. Yeah. Yeah, mm, you're right. Yeah. yeah, it's exact same composer, so you know there's definitely some ties there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. It it fits. Uh, at least I think it fits. <laughs> and that's that's one thing that I guess keeping in mind with some of these shows is that when George did all his movies, each one of them, he tried to make very different. And like, he's been known for saying that in interviews and stuff. So taking a character like Boba Fett and maybe like trying to put some sort of previous music behind that character, aside from kind of the empire theme from cloud city and stuff, like he didn't, he never really had his own music. 
until now. And, you know, and his small kind of cameos that he popped up in The Mandalorian for. Yeah. So Did they not write him a song at all during Clone Wars? Because he had several episodes where he was the main character. He did. Yeah, actually, they did. They did have a little jingle for him. And it was like that lady. <laughs> just going to laugh. It was like. You know, it was like this, like little, like thing. <laughs> yeah, it was like this sad little tone whenever, whenever you saw Boba, because it yeah. was always about the revenge of, you know, his uh, father and yeah. fed and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. I guess kind of like he was like losing himself, like his father's honor or whatever. He's like on a stray path. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, that was actually a really good Clone Wars arc. Did you did you watch that one, Durian? Just highlights. Yeah, just highlights. Yeah, it's um, it's a pretty solid arc. Like anyone who's, uh, I mean, I know we did that that uh, that recap of Boba Fett with um, what happened, Blake. We we did the whole walkthrough of of Boba Fett beginning to end, you know, his whole life story kind of thing. So you probably we probably brought it up in that, but uh, yeah. you know, any, anyone who really wants to kind of dive into Boba Fett and his his like earlier life because this this show is really after the after watching this episode like chapter two the tribes of Tatooine um it you you know it goes even further back to his childhood at times and you see more of Camino and more of him as as a boy that was so cool by the way Daniel Logan yeah it's so sweet man like we did the over the shoulder you see the slave one Django flying off yeah oh so good like I I was I was just, uh, you know, beyond ecstatic when I saw that footage because, you know, I thought to myself, man, like this is this is a showrunner here, you know, who like, I mean, between Robert Rodriguez and and Dave Filoni and stuff and John Favreau, of course, I mean, like these are guys who have such respect for all of Georgia's Star Wars films that like they, they don't care what what one is the least favorite of fans. Right. Because like it's generally considered that that movie is probably the the slowest to most people if you ask them like you know it's not my favorite star wars movie but um it is yeah what i it would is say and- well, at least you know barring the uh the sequels coming out it was generally people's bottom of the pile i was rated six <laughs> right, it's just, right i think yeah. the main issue was it is just really slow paced compared to the other films yeah definitely yeah yeah. Makes sense under the context of it was supposed to be like a love story drama and a detective film which are both to uh like characteristically slow style stories it's just every other star wars film was like faster action paced with like dog fights and stuff so <laughs> felt a little uh, out of place yeah as far as that movie goes i mean i really appreciated the fact that they actually looped that in and and that's also something said that i, I think i mentioned in the past about mandalorian i don't know how you guys felt about it but when they started hinting about this whole Snoke storyline and the Mandalorian with those tanks of creature people, you know, as much as I personally have many gripes with those films, like the the sequel films, the sequel trilogy is just to me is like the bottom of the stack, you know, like, um, and, uh, and yet I was really happy about it. I was like, okay, this is a show that's really trying to like, make the best of what we have, right. And, and even though there's movies out there that you know whether each of us like these or those or whatever uh at least it's trying to feel consistent as possible and making sense of things as the story goes along because uh uh, there's there's nothing worse than kind of like a dead-end story that just never gets made and 
Um, you know, I've got many issues with the fact that Solo left on a note of incompletionist and never really knew what happened with Kira and everything. And now finally, we're getting that story resolved a little bit with the Marvel comics. And and uh, now I hear these rumors that Amelia Clark has been signed up for a Disney Plus show in the future. Which yeah, is that's super interesting. Cool. Yeah. Did you guys hear about that? Just through yeah. you. <laughs> Just through me. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has been watching the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So uh, this episode was really cool. It, it was fantastic. It was much longer, much longer than it the last was. One. Yeah, yeah. Which was, uh, yeah, I would say so as well. Uh, yeah, even with Mandalorian, like this is, I think it's this is longer than any Mandalorian episode. It like it. I was surprised. It was like we're like 30, 35 minutes in. It's like oh, it's still like 25, 30 minutes left. <laughs> I was surprised. <laughs> it's it a good thing be. when you're looking at like, the time. I had to pause it, and that's how I noticed. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it might be uh, it, it might be longer than any Mandalorian episode. I don't know. Um, that's a good question. Um, I do know that uh, as far as as far as this episode goes, I mean, uh, we there was something that I may, maybe mentioned last time. We were trying to figure out if that was Mos Espa. And, yeah, I was just gonna um, write that down as a note. It is. Yeah, it's finally confirmed. It is. It's finally confirmed as Mos Espa. Uh, th- those of you guys screaming at us through the through the, you know, <laughs> through the headphones stuff, like maybe uh, uh, saying that we got it wrong last time for thinking it might not be. Uh, it is. It is, and you're right. It's it is Mos Espa, which is pretty cool. Which the last time we saw Mos Espa was in Star Wars Episode One. Uh, the Phantom Menace. Or, no, Episode Two. Sorry, Episode Two: Attack of the Clones. When Anakin goes back to chat with Watto about. Oh, that's true. It's so brief, yeah. though. It's like blinking it and missing it. Yeah. We see yeah. a lot more of it in Phantom Menace. Yeah. It makes me yeah, wonder right. then, because I, I pulled up the the part of the, the episode where you're actually looking at the wide angle of Mos Espa. We were not led to believe in Phantom Menace that Mos Espa is that big. <laughs> <laughs> it is huge. But yeah, then again, at least whole- in the pod racing scene, there's that huge audience and stuff. Those people got to come from somewhere. Not just that That's one yeah, street they show. They're all just living in farm huts. That's what I assume. Yeah, but for sure, like, it's grown. It's definitely grown in the last couple of years. Yeah. Well, yeah. I want to know if they're doing Moss Espa, why don't they show that crashed ship that is like, it's like a skyscraper, but it's a like a starship. That's Moss Eisley. That's Moss Eisley, I'm pretty sure. You're talking about the big crash ship outside the cantina, right? It's like a, like a big, oh, maybe you're right. big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was so, in Phantom Menace. No, that was uh, that was an episode. That was an episode four. But in the the like the the, the new ah, insert scene that they put in there, yeah. No, it's I know I, I get the two mixed up all the time. But um, but no, what what I was wondering about though is is how come we've never seen that cratered part of the city before? Because like yeah. the entire length of this episode, even though it's Mos Espa, it's been in this giant pit, like in part of the city that's like kind of on a lower level and then i guess in the background is where we see the rest of mos espa which is like i guess where we were before in the series like in in the episode one and two that is but uh yeah i thought it was kind of neat you know a bit of world building going on it's like there's more to the city than we've seen before which is kind of cool that's um, why you didn't so. we didn't see it in phantom menace because it was hidden in a giant hole <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah even though the whole planet is just like a giant flat desert like there's there's got to be a cratered city somewhere yeah <laughs> somewhere that if tie fighters show up you can run down there and they'll all blow up because they'll just quite they won't quite fit through <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um 
we got a we got a nice shot of an empty rancor cage in this when we saw Jabba's palace again. We're seeing more rooms now this time. We saw the big gates. Uh, what were you guys' thoughts? Uh, we'll start with Darian. Like when you saw the empty rancor cage, like and I know you. you have you read any Star Wars books like at all in 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 history, or like has it just been the films and the shows for you? Films and the shows for me, but I still um like I didn't know what to expect because in the Bad Batch we saw. Like it was at Bib Fortuna got the Rancor uh, in that episode. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, you're right. So realistically, couldn't they have brought like if that Rancor was there, there would have been some like explanation why it was there. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. So I, I don't know. I, I was kind of interested to see if there was going to be something behind the big gate. Yeah, and no, there that's, wasn't. That's, uh, there yeah. wasn't, which I was like equally happy happy with because they were like, I don't know. All it would have been like a- it would have taken like a real fan to like know what's going to be behind that gate and like there's so much suspense and there's like nothing i don't know it's kind of a yeah. cool moment and like you said before like the writing's so smart in the show and it's to respect to star wars fans which is kind of cool yeah 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 for sure um i'm sure everyone from- heard rumors right in the like in universe heard rumors that jabba had a rancor even if they hadn't seen it so it's cool that boba kind of like played that to his advantage yeah that's 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 a good point actually i didn't think of that uh now with the history of having read i know blake you've read the aftermath trilogy do you remember anything about (laughs) this this rancor pit um i remember there was a short story about i forget the name of the guy who like takes care like the caretaker yeah the the rancor's um the rancor's caretaker's name is malakili Mal, that's it, Malakili. Yeah, yeah, there's. A, I recall there being a short story about him and how he like was depressed and lost his way. Was it, bef- <laughs> it was before <laughs> yeah. or after? I can't remember. Yeah. And then he. One of the yeah. Some it's the most emotional scene it's in Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, so Malakili was uh, was the uh, the Rancor's caretaker. The Rancor's name is actually Patisa, and um, he in the aftermath trilogy of books, which is a set of. It's written by Chuck uh, Chuck Wendig, and That's right. um, yeah, the three books kind of bridge the gap between Return of the Jedi and the Battle of Jakku, which happened one year, uh, one year, one year after the second Death Star blow, blows up. And um, in that time period, like between these three books, they had a ton of short stories that were about random characters across the galaxy. Even Jar Jar even had one. And it was just kind of saying Panda like, where these characters. Yeah, Panda Bauer. Yeah. Like where these characters were at that point in time in which they had shown up in the films before. But now it was kind of saying like, hey, this is where that character is at, you know, this dramatic phase of the galaxy. Right. Um, and Malakili has this really sad story of like he's a he's basically a caretaker of this thing that he loves very very much because we see him like crying when this thing is dead right so uh, they made his story kind of sad like they made him like this really depressed guy that just had no idea what to do with his life and uh, and then when uh, Cobb Vanth who's got the Boba Fett armor this is kind of a little ways after he gets the Boba Fett armor from the the Jawas in in uh, the aftermath books which in Mandalorian, he actually kind of recaps that story a bit. Uh, he becomes the mayor of Freetown, and uh, he actually encounters Malakili and gives him a job. And uh, he has him uh, as, instated as beast master to um, two Rontos and a small hutlet, which was named Borgo. 
uh, really random. So I don't know what he's doing now. Apparently, uh, the one the one we Maybe last that's saw the that hut we saw in this episode. <laughs> <laughs> if if so, he grew up really fast. <laughs> Maybe he's the mayor. The guy we saw is not the mayor. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's just a yes. front it's like the wizard of oz <laughs> yeah <laughs> so last time we saw malakili he was in freetown and having seen freetown in the mandalorian we obviously know he's not there anymore so i don't know where the guy is but um it was just such a cool like thing that they made sure that the rancor cage was in fact empty because over those five years even though we know what happened to malakili we actually don't know what happened to the body of patisa and yeah i was I'm wondering because that door is quite tiny from what we saw when Luke yeah. trying to get out of it. We didn't see any other door, so they'd have to cut it into very small pieces. <laughs> right. And well, my thinking was, like, I started to think about it. I was like, okay, logically, I mean, don't normally do this with a fictional story. Think logically. Normally, we just to kind of accept the movie magic. But, I mean, realistically, Biff Fortuna, he's, the, he's now the guy sitting on the chair, whether he's working for himself or perhaps the huts who show up in this episode – who knows? We'll get into that in just a sec. Uh, he's sitting on that chair for four years after, or sorry, five years after Jabba's death. That I'm rancor impressed. is going to start to smell. He was smell, not taken man. out sooner. <laughs> that that rancor is going to start to smell. That rancor is going to start to degrade, decay. It's going to start stinking up the throne room, which he's sitting right above there. And there's a vent sitting right there, right? So my thinking was, okay, they probably got rid of the body. Uh, they probably just decided to chop it up into small pieces, get rid of it. Hence the fact that that whole thing is just cleaned out right no maybe see any bones or anything so. no maybe right after uh bib fortuna took over he had a big feast and they just <laughs> yeah. up that's why he's so big door. that's right that's why he's, that's why he's big fortuna not big fortuna right. anywhere, yeah. <laughs> uh we had the interrogation of the assassin which we left off with at the last episode in chapter one who turns out to be a member of the order of the night wind which is a brand new syndicate to Star Wars. This has never made an appearance before until now. And um, he claims he's working for the mayor of Mos Espa. So Boba, Fennec Shan, they take the assassin, they go to Mos Espa to confront the mayor. Uh, it turns out that the mayor kind of insinuates to him running a family is quite complicated. And he was probably pressured to hire it, hire the guy under the order of probably the huts who show up in town uh, claiming that Tatooine is theirs. And uh, so he actually didn't have any personal gripe with Boba at all. And didn't seem it like out, it. No, I was kind of. It, I was trying to gauge if he was being two faced or not, though. Right. Yeah. And and then and then the huts show up, and then you're like, oh, okay, he was telling the truth. But um, they're actually these two huts. For some reason, I thought one of them was actually Gardula, but it, it's not. They're actually known as the twins, and officially, right now, they don't have any names. So these okay. are huts that escaped. The Empire somehow, um, I know we chatted about it a little bit in the, the Boba Fett, what happened. Uh, we mentioned that Boba Fett, or sorry, Dar Darth Vader had slaughtered the entire Hut Council. So there was yeah. no leading members of the Hut Council aside from Jabba the Hut, right? So after Jabba's death, we can only assume that there was no one at all leading the Hut, the Hut clan or whatever, however, however yeah. it works. And now, but that's not to say the huts were extinct because they have a, a whole planet, right? Yeah, they have a whole planet, and you know, there's other huts everywhere else. Like, I mean, we know that there's been a few on on uh, Narshada and stuff because that's also in hut territory space. Uh, but these these twins are referred to as cousins of Jabba by Boba when he's addressing them. 
he says your cousin Jabba, you know, like, and then keeps going. But um, I was like, oh, okay. So there are cousins of Jabba, but they weren't on the council of huts, but they're still alive and existing, right? So I and guess- probably were connected in one way or another. Yeah, yeah, obviously, yeah. So so they weren't in a position of leadership before. Maybe they ascended to that position. Maybe mm-hmm. Bib Fortuna was actually working for them as a proxy. And then when Boba comes in and kills the guy, they find out about it and come to Tatooine to kind of face the issue themselves. That if would make that, sense, actually. Yeah, if, that would make more sense to me than Bib Fortuna, Bib Fortuna getting away yeah. with sitting on that chair for all those years. Exactly. <laughs> so no, like, I agree yeah, entirely. Yeah, my thoughts is that Bib Fortuna probably didn't know what to do, contacted the kind of nearest relative that Jabba still had, and then kind of just worked under their, like, you know, distant commands sort of thing. That's, I don't know. What 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 were you guys thinking though when these guys showed up in town? I, know, I, didn't, I didn't know if the, the mayor, like, so do we, did the mayor, was it confirmed the mayor did like send the assassin? Yeah. Uh, so if the, it was his choice or not? Yeah. The, the mayor, the mayor did send the guy, but he kind of insinuates that it wasn't his personal decision to, to send that assassin right. after Boba. Cause he kind of says, Running a family is more complicated than bounty hunting. And then right. he says, go to the, I forget her name's, you know, bar cantina thing. And uh, you'll you'll see for yourself. And so he goes there to confront the, the, the Twi'lek girl. And then that's when this whole kind of yeah. escapade comes through town. And, and he realizes, oh, these huts are out to kill me. And beyond that, they've actually hired their own bounty hunter as kind of a personal protector on Tatooine while they're there. And Super it happens cool, to by be, the way. yes, <laughs> it happens to be a major cameo of this uh, black Wookiee by the name of uh, black Cran- uh, Cranstan. And uh, he was actually first introduced in Darth Vader issue number one, way back in 2015 when they started doing all the new star Wars Canon comics and stuff. And he's been a character around for a while now. Like they've kept Black Cranston around in Dr. Afra, the Star Wars series, Darth Vader. He's shown up multiple times. And uh, and so having like a, this live action adaption of that character was, I think, the first ever original comic character then translated into live action. It never made it to animated show level at all. Like it was just straight taken out of Marvel Comics, which is really, really cool because we've never seen that happen, I don't think. I think you're right. And just the fact that we got a Wookiee that's not because really we don't, you really see them. They're all peaceful or they're slaves. You never see them in like a badass position like a bounty hunter, <laughs> yeah. which is yeah. super yeah. cool because they definitely have the strength for it. And it, it gave me like KOTOR vibes. And I'm hoping that they're going to use it to canonize the term Mad Claw, which is a Wookiee that is thrown out of their society because they attacked with their claws, which are supposed to be tools. It's like a cultural thing. <laughs> yeah. Will we see yeah, a duel you... between this guy and Boba Fett? <laughs> yeah, that would be interesting, actually. And Boba Fett uh, has well. to use his new stick. It'll be uh, almost Boba. exactly the same as Mando fighting the droids, where he's just like <laughs> completely overpowered, but his armor is the only thing keeping him alive. Yeah. <laughs> Black, uh, Black Crown Stan and Boba actually, actually know each other. Uh, so Darth Vader hired them together when when they kick off his his story. This is the, specifically, this is the, the first Darth Vader comic series that takes place between episode four and five. 
and um, he goes. Darth Vader goes to Tatooine on on uh, uh, imperial business, but he also goes there for his own personal mission, as to track down the pilot who blew up the Death Star, and uh, he hires Boba Fett specifically to find out who that person is. But he also hires Black Cranston to do a job. And and I think we talked about that a little more in, in the Boba Fett What Happened episode again. But uh yeah, it was it was really uh it was really cool like to see him show up in this. And I feel I felt like it was like a a nice reunion. I haven't really followed the comics that tightly to say all of the other appearances that Black Cranston's had, other than the fact that he's been a pretty constant character showing up in most of the series. Um, but, um, I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to try and catch up on all, all his stuff and then maybe we can do a, what happened episode in the future for, for him. But, uh, yeah, it Probably was, good idea. Uh, yeah, it was a neat, it was a neat appearance for sure. I, I was kind of, uh, freaking out when I saw him. I was like, it no, had wait. to be Filoni. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Or so, somebody thought it was a good idea to, to, to bring in like a, a bounty hunter that people knew and, and they, maybe they were just like, hey, people would freak out if we did this. And When they had that, like, over-the-shoulder kind of behind shot, did you know it was him, or did you have to wait till the front-on shot? Oh, yeah, no, as soon as I sold the shoulder pad, I was like, no way. Like, that is, oh, it's awesome. like the, the most iconic part about him is that he's a black Wookiee with these giant spiky shoulder pads. Oh, and, yeah, mm-hmm. and when I saw the face of him, they even had the scar over his eye and everything, I was like, that is so cool. <laughs> and uh, that was probably a really expensive costume that they made. Yeah, it looks like it. Looks like I don't think I've seen a Wookiee costume that good, barring the sequel since like Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> yeah, Revenge of the Sith was the only, uh, actually, well, aside from the holiday special, it was the only Star Wars film that they made multiple Wookiee costumes that were different for. Uh, they had yeah. about like, what was it between like eight and 12 or something. And then they just dressed each of them up in different armor. And then yeah, they reshot true. the same people in the same costumes over and over and over again. And they used all those elements to make that massive army of Wookiees that we see that take mm-hmm. on the droid army, you know, back, in, cool. back in episode it's three. It's like the orcs from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, cause uh, we do also see Wookiees in the solo movie, but they were yeah. all like spindly and like decrepit cause they had been starved. Right. Right. Yeah. They look kind of weird, didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. I think that, yeah. yeah, that was the idea. I think just because they were supposed to be malnourished. Until I started looking into this episode a little further, I didn't actually realize that we actually saw Toshi Station for the first time since I think the deleted scenes of A New Hope, which most people probably haven't seen. And I'm vaguely remembering as to whether or not that Toshi Station actually made an appearance in those scenes. But um, we saw Toshi Station and we saw um, another funny, like fun fact here that I found out later is in the credits they credit those two uh, those two civilians that were kind of being harassed by the the order of the night wind um guys uh they're credited as characters known as fixer and cami which uh historically have been these friends of luke skywalker ever since him and biggs were growing up on tatooine together these characters have shown up in comic books going all the way back to like the dark horse era in the 90s and the 80s and stuff so, Sorry, the scene we're talking about is this. This isn't when Boba kills all those. Um, yeah, this is in the in the ca- in that little bar in the flashback. that he walks into. Yeah, yeah. in the in the oh, flashback. Okay. Yeah, so that's that's Toshi Station, 
And oh, the man, two, that's cool. Yeah, and the two people that he kind of rescues, like the woman and the man. The the guy's name is Fixer. He actually has a longer name. That's, that's his nickname. And then the girl's name is Cammy, and they're old friends of Luke Skywalker's. Maybe they were getting the power converters. Yeah, yeah, I'm picking them up for them. <laughs> apparently, they're still apparently, there. So to, to EU, to fans of the old EU and everything, like who've consumed a lot of stuff, like even Bryce might actually know who these characters are. Um, but they uh, they're known as regulars who are there a lot, like all the time. Kind of like, uh, kind of like, I guess the, I guess walking into that uh, that bustling place in in Mos Espa, you had you saw um, Max Rebo and and the band right like it, it was just like oh i guess you know it's called the sanctuary right yeah like they're, they're still they're still kicking the, around they're, they're yeah they're the still, regulars uh, yeah it's like yeah the regulars it's like yeah. cheers <laughs> like the, the cheers bar right it's like always the same 10 people yeah 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 exactly so so i guess pike and cammy are kind of regulars to tashi station and and i guess it was just kind of a fan servicing thing to credit those two characters as those those two characters. that's a nice nod why not that's pretty cool yeah, yeah, I thought that was pretty neat. Um, what did you guys think of the train heist? Because this is now, I think, the third ever train heist in Star Wars. Uh, yeah, the first one being in the Clone Wars in the uh, yeah, in the bounty right. hunting. Yeah, the Boba Fett um, led crew that he does the train heist, and then the second one was in Solo, Solo. Star Wars story. Yeah. So, what did you guys think of this one? Train heists are always cool. I think there's so like many train heists in movies. <laughs> yeah. But I, I always appreciate a good train heist, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel the same way. I'm like, I, it feels like, oh, we're doing this again. But it's also like, oh, it's always a good time. But yeah, I mean, it, like, it, it showed how good. It went dry eventually. It showed how good the Tusken Raiders were fighting and stuff. And like, I don't know, they obviously picked up the skills pretty quick with speeders and they worked well together. Yeah. I guess it was important for like character building and stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But right. Yeah, it was. And I guess. Once again, they're making Tatooine seems like such a bigger place than it is with like now the pikes and this train. And yeah, yeah, for like sure. so, like the, the, Tatooine's getting huge. Like we used to think it's just busier, kind of like the sand busier. planet. Yeah, it's like really yeah. busy. Which and I think really, I think some people have even complained about is it's like too much <laughs> is going on in a place where there's not supposed to be kind of thing. Well, there might be yeah, different sections of Tatooine, right? So there could be maybe where Luke's at. It's it's just the Dune Sea. There's just nothing there. And there's right. a different side where they can get the spices. So there's a lot more activity. Right. Yeah, because I guess in I guess in Mandalorian, like we were introduced to, you know, more than there was like a Mos Pelgo, right? Like a whole city that we just didn't even know existed. So, um, you know, for a dust ball like Tatooine, and then it's it's almost hard to believe that it's like a dust ball in the middle of nowhere, which has such a bustling place like Mos Espa, right? So it's like there must be other stuff that we just maybe don't know about. And and it's it's been given us to us very savorly in a way that kind of makes sense. Like, oh yeah, Mos Pelgo, it's like, it's a city, but it's like a lame city. Like nothing's there. Like it's like that single strip kind of Western town that you might run into and in yeah. the middle of the, you know, <laughs> yeah, middle of like the, the, the whatever. 1830s California. Yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. So, um, I, you know, I, did, I didn't actually mind it. I think the, the one exception being that weird monster thing that we had last episode, I'm still kind of torn about the design of that monster. But uh, someone on Twitter actually uh, sent a reply to this message I sent out about that thing. And he, they said it bears very uh, similar resemblances to the creature that they had in 
the original Clash of the Titans film from, I think it was done in the 80s. And I never actually saw that movie, but after looking it up and and uh, I forget what the creature was called again. It was some sort of sea creature. Uh, it does look really similar. Like it walks on this, it walks the same and it's kind of shaped the same and it's also kind of green and uh, it's got a different face, but it it looks pretty similar. So I think it may have been just a nod to all the, all the 80s kind of fantasy genre films that yeah Yeah. which had these crazy looking monsters which back then were done with practical costumes mm -hmm. and everything like that yeah that also fits with something that was pointed out to me and that's that if it's animated to look like it's almost stop motion yeah yeah exactly yeah because stuff like that was done with clay and puppets and stuff back in the day yeah and then up close you'd get some guy in a big suit and it would look yeah. nothing nothing like the same thing in the next shot where there's a pullout shot and you get this really steppy kind of like clay version yeah yeah exactly <laughs> so yeah but uh you know as far as what darian said about like the train and everything expanding tatooine like uh i you know i never knew that there was a train that operated on tatooine like that and it, it does by the look of it seem as if it could be a train that may have been dropped off by a giant freight carrier or something yeah. like that uh or multiple but it's the Pikes. They've got money. They're running Spice. Um, I thought it was fantastic that we got the Pikes in this. Like the Pikes mm-hmm. have not shown up enough as far as a giant crime syndicate goes because in the EU they were massive. Like we we heard about the the Pike crime syndicate all the time. Uh, the Clone Wars was the first to really embrace that, and they brought the Pikes into the conspiracy of Sifo-Dyas's death. Um, and then later they uh, they also operated with Darth Maul for a bit. And the Shadow Collective, that whole thing, uh, they uh, showed up in Solo, a Star Wars story, and uh, there was some some brief mention about about them in that film. And uh, this is the first time that we ever see their face. Uh, is it? Yeah, that was you know, crazy. I didn't. I started to question if <laughs> yeah. that was actually the Pikes or not, or if it was just a different race that looked similar, because I wasn't expecting them to take their masks off. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting. I thought that was. Uh, it was it was new because th- I think we've only ever seen one with kind of like a like maybe like a partial mask, but they still had like the the upper section on, but their mouth was yeah. It was in Clone Wars. It was a it, there was a Pike that specifically was smoking from a pipe, and mm-hmm. he wore like this helmet thing, but you could only see his mouth. Yeah, and yeah, this this was probably the first time that we've seen like their full face and stuff. But um, do you guys it reminded have reminded me? As the of the crime lord we saw in the solo movie at the beginning, that woman. Uh which she's which like the snake oh, worm woman. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Oh, yeah I guess and, she's got uh, some Karelia. stuff hanging off. The big worm. Yeah. Thing. I th- I th- I, at first I thought, oh, it's the pikes. And then we saw their face and I'm like, maybe it's the like the, the, so, the solo creatures. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't expecting to see them without a the mask. Solo creatures. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that's so like on unspecific. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot From of aliens solo. that showed up in there. <laughs> that's true. That was yeah. just what my head was thinking. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's cool. Um, Before we get too far from the train, though, uh, I'm thinking this is just kind of dawning on me now. I'm guessing that the Pikes showing up with this train for Spice must be a new thing over the last few years because I there's no way Jabba would let that happen. The job when the huts had full control of Tatooine, there's no way. Mm-hmm. So th- this must be something since Jabba's death that it showed up. So it could be that Tatooine might be getting a little busier. 
Yeah, that's a good point. Um, you know, Jabba, Jabba's, Jabba's territory was part of the hut space. And, you know, if any, if anyone operated anything or anyone at all in hut space, like it was, even the empire had their own agreements with Jabba as it was almost like a, it was almost a courtesy to give Jabba the rights to have the power that he held. And, and Jabba actually, Part of the reason why Vader kills the Hut Council is because Jabba actually turns them in as being the ones responsible for uh, kind of messing up Vader's plans when he was he was uh, uh, with his involvement in the War of the Bounty Hunter series. But uh, yeah, it's it's just kind of this thing that Jabba's always had a lot of power in, in the crime world. So yeah, I mean, it's a kind of a shocking thing. I was like, wow, the Pikes are really taking advantage of the fact that this guy's gone and. Um, Maybe Bib Fortuna just didn't didn't know about it with his crew of like twelve people. <laughs> yeah, I think because more he, he didn't have the means to do anything about it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's probably just sitting on that chair to make sure no one else sat on that chair, kind of thing. And uh, yeah, that was it. Man, they're really making us feel a lot of sympathy for these Tuscan Raiders, right? Because like previous to the show. We see them like taking pot shots, trying to like shoot pod racers as they're going by. <laughs> and they're known for like attacking like Luke and like random strangers if they just like park their car in the wrong area. So, yeah. And, and now and they're like, these people are like Shmi. just, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like enslave Shmi and like torture her. And then here, because like we're led to believe like they're animals. They're nothing but animals. They were slaughtered yeah. like animals. Yeah. <laughs> And then here they're like, they're just trying to survive. And then this train shows up and just starts shooting them from like a kilometer away. That's that's all I could think about actually. When, when one of the, one of the more presentable Tuscans that keeps on showing up is this kid, like with the stick, right? Uh, in the first episode, he was kind of more, more of a, um, an apparent, you know, thing that he would just always be around Boba kind of thing. And all I could think about was like Hayden being like, I killed them. Killed them all. I killed the women and the children too. <laughs> Dude, you do a super cut. Or just like that, and there's like that guy, like the kid just like, like waving. Yeah. <laughs> just like really cute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh yeah, I mean uh, they they did have an interesting quote in this in this episode though, where they said, I think it was the leader of the that tribe uh said that there is many tribes of Tuscans on Tatooine. And it was said in a response to something that Boba said, I believe, but it was said in a certain way that kind of gave me the idea that they don't necessarily know or have any control over what other tribes of Tuscans do. And yeah. so like they might be kind of a one-off Tuscan group that actually has some decency about them. Right. And mm -hmm. whereas like other Tuscans might be a little more savage in how they operate. Right. Yeah. So, they seem to be playing a similar idea to a lot of like the native tribes in that some tribes were yeah. much more warfare driven where they, yep. they w fought more aggressively for land and for like their hunting areas and stuff to ward off other different tribes or some, tr like some tribes outside of those guys were more, uh, more tr trades. They like to trade more. And those are the ones that like first made contact with like the European people. Right. Yeah, and that's actually that's a great uh, explanation for how these guys operate because their tents are made and they look to be mobile. Whereas the tribe that we saw in Attack of the Clones, their their tents were made of like almost like a bantha hide skin that was yeah. wrapped around big sets of bones and sticks and stuff. So they were more of like a permanent settlement that kind of just existed where they were, and then they 
they would travel, I guess, and come back to that one place. Whereas these guys look as if they kind of move around a bit. And being in this area that's kind of new and that we haven't seen before, obviously it's flat enough that like we've seen trains just booking it across the sands. It's not exactly the dune sea. So yeah. um, it's that's a actually, that's doing this new. Yeah. Man, it's actually, just, I didn't even think about this till now, but with them like being a representation on Tatooine of, of like First Nations or First Nations people, and they're doing a, a train heist, like it's just straight out of an old West movie. Yeah, 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 exactly. And it's about the cowboy who comes to town and uh, has relations with the uh, the indigenous tribe and helps them reclaim their territory yeah. upon the the invaders or whatever, right? But it's, uh, it, it, yeah, it's kind of like an interesting way to tell a story that we've seen so many times in older uh fictional stories and and stuff and and i i don't know i i could almost imagine that this was even based on something from the lone ranger at one point and yeah and maybe maybe i they definitely saw vibes of that yeah yeah for sure uh and so then by I the end of know. the episode mm-hmm. sorry oh well, and, uh, and then by well by yeah, the end of ahead. the episode he he's kind of adopted as one of their own and he's inducted into the tribe and even passes their tests for becoming one of them right so he makes his own gaffy stick and he you know, has he has the dance nailed down properly in the combat of the stick and everything like that. Mm-hmm. He's he's kind he's of assimilated like, into their culture. Yeah, and after this episode, I really didn't question what he's been up to for five years because that was kind of what I was wondering before the show happened. I was like, why didn't he find his armor again, and why didn't he go and claim his ship again or claim the palace or whatever? Like, and now it's just after this episode, I'm like, he's got enough to do. Like, he's kind of like rediscovering who he is, and I think after being this like kind of torn up bounty hunter who's kind of probably done with that life he probably is just looking for something else and there's an expression that goes like people tend to cycle back to where they first started or whatever like some Mm -hmm. kind of expression like that he's kind of done that like he's kind of gone the full circle he's been a bounty hunter he's been a kid he's been a bounty hunter he's kind of gone around the mulberry bush he kind of had a moment of reinventing himself as a man and now he's back to kind of where he started, but he doesn't want to be a bounty hunter anymore. He wants to kind of elevate his status. So now he's going for a second go around, but wants to be a crime lord instead and yeah. run the run the town that he used to or run the world that he used to operate in as as a, an employee. Now he's going to be the employer. So, yeah, makes um, sense. Yeah. Do you think the idea is off the table that Fennec Shan is um, one of the Tuscan Raiders? <laughs> actually i don't know i mean like we haven't uh, seen them without their masks on i know, well, that's, know. That, was, that was my next question is like do they like we saw the pikes will we see that what they look like underneath those goggles yeah um actually uh, now that you mentioned it um i don't know about because Fen- we've seen fennec as herself in the bad batch so i don't yeah. i don't know how likely it is that she also happens to be um in the same same story because um, i feel like one of them's one of the ones we keep seeing as a girl it seems like um, yeah yeah and it almost seems like there's some sort of like relationship there like i don't know i you know what you i think is going i think the reason why boba takes fennec in is similar to how the tuscans took boba in it's kind of leading to this point of interest in which boba now has this kind of personal debt to fulfill as far as returning the favor to somebody else that he finds stranded in the desert half dead on the sand and because that's exactly what happened to him like he was 
going to die unless the Tuscans found him. And yeah, they held him prisoner for a little bit, but they worked out their differences and they... Well, and he they proved them himself to them is what happened. Yeah. I, I bet that Rodian is still there in cuffs. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. And, you know, that being said about Fennec, like, you know, I doubt we're going to finish this season without seeing more as to what happens to that Tuscan tribe that he leaves, as well as more details around how he saves Fennec Shand. Like, I can even I, see them coming back. Like I could see yeah. maybe like the, the finale, like the Tuscan Raiders coming out to help him or something if he's oh, in a maybe. battle with, I don't know, the yeah. Huts or something. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, that'd be really cool, actually. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, yeah, but I, I just, in general, I'd be very surprised if they didn't somehow loop um, Fennec into the the flashback scenes in in a way like they might skip forward yeah they might skip forward in time a little bit and Mm -hmm. kind of jump to where he first appears in the mandalorian but then they might explain that story as like how he comes across her in the desert yeah i mean do you guys want a lot more flashbacks i feel like i think we're getting to a point it's going to be consistent i think through the whole way through oh really because that I feel like there's not a whole lot more. Like now we know how we got out of the Starlight Pit. We know how we got the Gappy Stick. We know how we got back to society. And uh, someone pointed out online that when the Mandalorian runs into the Tusken Raiders and uh, I believe it's when they they pay tribute or whatever to get through their lands, Mm -hmm. like him and Cobb Vance, one of the Tuskens behind uh, behind them stands up and apparently that's Boba. So we know how Boba sees them with the armor. So then he comes after them, right? But prior to that, he's just been living with them, with the Tuscans. Mm. So I don't know if there's a whole lot more to be told with flashbacks. And I'm kind of ready to move on to like the rest of the story. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah, but there's yeah, only five episodes. And when they're at like 30, 40 minutes long, that's not a ton of yeah. time, right? Right. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that being said, if that is true, I, if there's only one more with flashbacks, I really want to know more as how he came to know that there was a Mandalorian on Tatooine that he starts tracking, which leads him to maybe the body of Fennec Shand in the desert, and then how he saves her when, when she makes the life debt pledge to kind of act as his partner. Uh, you know, anything like that, like I would love more details about how those two kind of came together because the only time that we kind of realize that is when she shows up again she's like somehow fixed and alive and then he's in tuscan robes still and <laughs> it's mm-hmm. like what <laughs> so he still yeah, wears I, them now right he, he's yeah accepted that as culture which is interesting yeah he wears them beneath the armor yeah so uh, it's it looks um, super cool just saying it does look very cool yeah yeah it looks like a like a tunic kind of thing underneath so instead mm-hmm. of a flight suit yeah but um, I don't know. I mean, uh, also, uh, this is a fun thing that I, I found out last time, but I forgot to mention it. 8D8, which is the uh, the torture droid that that he's now shown up in this episode as well, uh, is voiced by Matt Berry, who is um, an actor who plays the character Douglas on the IT crowd and now is the second character from the IT crowd to get uh, a, a role in the Star Wars live action shows. So the, the first of them being... You know Moss yeah. from from IT Crowd. Yeah, he pl- voices the the droid of uh, uh, the droid that, Yeah, the, the 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 droid that operates with the crew when they're doing that prison heist. Yeah, episode. 
yeah, I forget his name now, but yeah, that's, uh, I thought that was kind of interesting. I, they're, they're turning everyone from IT crowd into, into droids and bringing them into that's Star That's pretty Wars. funny. Yeah. One by one. <laughs> yeah. One by one. Yeah, I got to yeah. know what you guys think of Tuscan Raiders driving speeder bikes. <laughs> I love how when he was, ex- when he ever, he explains things in their language, he uses like one symbol, but has like 15 words. And somehow yeah. they understand what he's talking about. It's kind of funny. Well, Mandalorian did the exact same thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I thought it was, I don't know, kind of funny. It was humorous. Like, Do you guys like the humor and stuff like that? <laughs> I like so. It's very, I, I like how yeah. they use them as kind of slapstick. Where it's like, there's like one or two Tuscans that are like, like badass fighters and the rest of them are like really clumsy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It actually, expl- yeah, explains a lot that way too. But um, I don't know, as far as the Tuscans riding, riding speeder bikes, I didn't mind that whole thing at all. Like some of the, like when they fall off the speed and stuff, I was like, I was fine with that. Uh, the one, the one really goofy thing was probably when he's trying to communicate with the Tuscans half the time and he doesn't really know what to say. And so he's like sitting on the speeder bark and like, you know, kind of like the yeah. emotions. And I stuff. Literally, like, literally did that motion after I saw yeah. that too. Like reins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like reins on a on a chariot or something. And I don't yeah, know. I, I just, really want to turn that into a gif. Just that one motion. Oh, oh, people have day one, man. Yeah. People have. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. A lot of people have been complaining about it. It's it's not like a huge gripe I have, but like it's it certainly. I don't know. It was like it makes almost, Boba kind of silly, doesn't it? Yeah, it was almost a, a little out of character for Boba Fett to to, to do something yeah. like that, um, and I hate to say it because I thought it was kind of funny, but um, but yeah, that was like the only thing that that I have kind of against that that scene. But there has been a few things that I think have fallen under that umbrella of where it just from what we knew of Boba Fett before the series to mm-hmm. what we're getting, there is a little bit of disconnect in regard to that. Uh, the most famous part like the biggest gripe i think uh, that falls under line with that is what the last real thing we hear from like both empire strikes back when we see him darth vader tells him no disintegrations and he's disappointed because he doesn't get to dis- dis- disintegrate people and mm-hmm. it's very it'd be a very like jaded and like you just don't have you clearly don't care for people if you're going to just disintegrate their entire body. And then we go from the end of like Empire Strikes Back. Not like we don't really learn a lot more about him and, and Jedi. And then it comes to this. It's like now he's trying to like save the Rodian. And he's even though he's captured and he's like willing to like work with the, all the, these Tuscans, which uh, someone of his caliber of what we knew before probably would look down upon people mm-hmm. who are uh, living like their their sort of lifestyle. And there's a little bit of disconnect there, in my opinion, but yeah, yeah. Um, as far as kind of like last thoughts on this episode goes, and maybe any any speculation going forward, um, let's uh, let's start with you, Darian. Yeah, I mean, I'm so far, I'm, I'm loving the series. I think even more than I thought I would, and I had pretty high hopes, which is great. Um, I think for me, like, I enjoy the flashbacks, but um, would like to see, yeah, like more of like the now, like what's happening. Um, one thing I would like to see though is like you've talked about in the past, like perhaps a Cad Bane flashback or something. Probably unlikely, mm-hmm. but that'd be kind of cool to see. But yeah, I kind of have no idea where it's going to go, and I'd like to see how Fennec Shand and him like actually mm-hmm. I don't know, met, and if they just met in the Mandalorian or if they met before that, would be kind of cool. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. What about you, Blake? Um, yeah, I'm also quite curious to see where it's going to go because it's it's 
something that we don't know what to expect, right? Like, it's a character that we've known for a long time, but because he was brought back from the dead, like, we he could be used in any way. We have no idea, right? So it's, it's kind of an open book like that, which is cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the one main thing I really want to see more is him being, the, like, a hardened badass. I want to see some of that coming out again, not being too silly, I guess. Uh, and the fact that it seems it seems like he's gotten weaker, I guess, since the flashbacks. Because like you think when he was left out for dead in the desert, he would have been as weak as point. But he was a better fighter with while living out in the desert with the Tuscans than he is now. He was fighting those like five guys with shields, those assassins. He didn't really get hit all too much, and then he needed the Gomorians to immediately like rush him. Like he could walk on his own. They needed to rush him back. To put him in the uh, in the back to tank, he couldn't even walk yeah. by himself. So I don't know. To me, that that seems inconsistent. But yeah, it's almost so, as yeah. if they're they're. I think it's one of two things. I mean, I mean, as far as as far as my thoughts go on that go, like it's either they're trying to make him an old man, or they're uh, he's still genuinely recovering from the Sarlacc pit, and his body just can't keep up anymore. But then why did he fight better closer to when he first got out of the Sarlacc pit? <laughs> I have no idea. Is that me? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, it's it's a weird inconsistency, but I don't know. May, I don't know. Maybe maybe those weapons like weaken the muscles or something. Who knows? But um, as far as like what I'm open, like I think uh, like something that Darian mentioned, like I would love to see uh, if they're not flashbacks of recent events between Return of the Jedi and Mandalorian. I would really love to see them go back further with those flashbacks and uh, similar to how they did Din Djarin's flashbacks to the Clone Wars. It would be cool to have stories that kind of make flashbacks relevant with his younger self and go back even further and see more moments of his past, right? And, you know, th- those would be really, really cool to see. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, other than that, I'm hoping that uh, that the future episodes kind of bring us some more enlightenment, some more answers on this new crime syndicate they're bringing to town, as well as, uh, you know, possibilities of of bringing in uh some some past things kind of like how they did with the 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 pike crime syndicate and perhaps they'll loop in uh whatever this rumored news is about kira coming back to star wars in live action we'll maybe we'll get an answer to that as well so i want to see not just these twins i want them to get offed and then (laughs) jabba's jabba's son shows up because we haven't seen since the clone wars movie yeah rada Yeah. yeah Where's Rada? Why is it? Why is he trying to get in on this this land? <laughs> Fingers crossed. All right, guys, thanks for uh, coming back on the show so much, and uh, had a great time. We'll we'll chat with you guys another time. Sounds, Sounds good. good. Thanks, Joe. All right, and uh, like you guys, uh, like you guys have heard many times before. If you'd be able to share the show with a friend and give us a good rating, five stars, leave a couple words and a nice review, that would be absolutely fantastic because it is the only way and the best way to help this show thrive and to bring in new listeners and we'd love to see our audience grow. So uh, that would be fantastic and we look forward to having you guys keep on tuning in for the rest of the season of The Book of Boba Fett and uh, hear all the amazing behind the 
behind the cannon, I guess, or our, our breakdowns, our speculations and everything like that. We love having you guys join us up. And uh, of course, we love hearing from you and uh, what you guys thought about the book of Boba Fett. And uh, as also, if you have any uh, comments about the show as well, and you can send in any kind of remarks or feedback or anything or your opinions on the book of Boba to podcast at gmail.com as well as our Twitter and Instagram at podcast, and all those forums are listed in the description of the podcast below as well as any relevant links that you might want to check out so be sure to give those a go going forward into the new year it's always great to keep a read on those descriptions there's always usually relevant info to know not just describing what the episode's about so if you ever hit play just give it a quick breeze because uh, it's definitely useful and of course, going forward in the new year, we have our whole new studio setup. If you haven't checked up uh, the, the last episode that we did last week, relaunching the show for the new year, give it a go. It's all for, it's for new and returning listeners because we love you guys uh, tuning into the program. So that being said, until next time, I'm your host, Josh, and may the force be with you.